welcome to another episode of the M&A Mastermind Podcast. This show is your go-to resource for the latest industry trends and strategies to help you level up your M&A practice. I am your host, Nick Olson, Cornerstone International Alliance. I am the Managing Director, and we are a group of lower middle market M&A firms who focus um, across the globe and service uh, help privately held business owners um, exit and, and grow through acquisition. Um, here we bring in guests who are true masters of their crafts, who are experienced, knowledgeable, and gracious enough to share how they've succeeded in the world of M&A. And today's uh, guest is no different. I'm really excited to welcome this guest. Uh, he is all about helping business owners on a clear path to success. Um, he founded his company in 2019 and has been the uh, the CA, CEO for the past five years and continues to be in that role. He has held other positions as CEO and CFO. He has grown his current firm to over 100 executive advisors around the globe. Um, as I hear it, he was uh, on, a, on a radio broadcast uh, doing hard rock um, disc jockeying. Um, love to hear stories like that. Uh, his company is the first member of our Strategic Alliance Partnership Program here at Cornerstone International Alliance. Please welcome my guest today, the founder of ExecHQ, based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, Jim Hogan. Jim, how you doing? Great, Nick. Thanks for uh, having me here. Yeah, very excited to have you, and I want to—I'm I'm really I'm excited about the topic uh, that we're going to talk about today and dive into what ExecHQ and you and your your team does and. Today we're talking about enhancing the value of your client's business. And, you know, as M&A advisors and professionals, we work with business owners, you know, typically privately held, you know, low, lower middle market, you know, five to 150 million in revenue type of companies. And we come across a lot of um, opportunities, potential clients that um, are ready to sell or maybe not ready to sell, you know, it depends. And once we dive into the numbers, um, it's really interesting to see you know, the expectations of our potential clients compared to whether, you know, they're going to get that that dollar figure when they sell their company. And and so that's really where ExecHQ comes in to help bridge that gap. So first and foremost, um, welcome. And um, tell us a little bit, you know, about ExecHQ and why you, you founded this company five years ago. Yeah, thanks. Um, Prior to starting ExecHQ, I was part of a large CFO consulting firm as a senior partner. And after having been in consulting for many, many years, I, I decided to go off and start kind of a new type of a, a consulting firm. If, if anything, we're more like executives as a service. Um, but I was trying to solve for a number of issues within the consulting market. Uh, the first thing is our consultants are rarely treated very well by the consulting firm. I mean, there are some exceptions, but we formed as a family first organization. So, you know, we really want our executives to put the needs of their families as their primary commitment. Secondly, uh, from a financial standpoint, usually the consulting firms uh, keep quite a large percent of the revenues that comes in from clients and may only share 50 to 80% of the revenues with the consultants actually doing the work. 
at our firm, uh, about 97% of the revenues coming in from clients goes to our executives and Exec HQ can live pretty comfortably on 3% of revenues. So what, what that does, it allows us to attract the best uh, executives out there and to uh, keep them motivated because they are earning you know, quite a high percentage of the revenues. And then from a, a teamwork perspective, many firms are organized by almost functional areas. Either you have a group of CFOs or chief marketing officers or chief information officers, whereas our team is really a good mix of just about all of the C-suite. So our people work together much more uh, as a team rather than feeling like they compete with one another. Absolutely. That's great. Um, so so obviously, you, you know, you got, I, I think that's a really great way to to go about, um, you know, structuring the company. So, um, obviously you saw a need there. Um, why did you, why, why, why did you start the firm? And, and if you could dive into what type of clients are you working with currently? Yeah. So, so briefly back in 2018, my, uh, mother had passed away. And then about six weeks later, my, uh, mother-in-law passed away. So for most of 2018, I was kind of dealing with family issues and, and still maintaining my clients. And then in early 2019, I got an email from the managing partner of my former firm, basically saying they were going to dem demote me from being uh, a senior partner because my my revenues were off in the prior year. And, uh, and, and he kind of knew full well about the two deaths in my family. So I, I literally got his email and wrote my letter of resignation and drove it down to his office. And it was a couple of days later when I decided, you know, I, I really ought to start a firm that focuses on the more important things in life, uh, you know, family and, and things like that. So, uh, but in regard to your second question, most of our clients uh, are uh, between startup up to four or 500 million in revenue. We work with uh, family offices, M&A firms. We work with for-profit, non-profit. Um, generally, the clients who we have are fairly profitable, although we have a turnaround group, so we can help uh, not only startups, but companies that are kind of in a dire situation and need to get on a better track. And so when you're working with these, these companies that need to kind of get back on track, um, what are some common business problems you guys see and you focus on to help your clients onto that path to success? I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there are about six common ones. Yes. When uh, usually uh, the first major problem is a lack of attention to the accounting and the fan financial statements and their capital structure. 
Um, a lot of founders maybe uh, don't focus a lot on making sure the books are clean, that they've got the right capital structure going forward. Uh, sometimes we run into clients who've literally grown themselves almost into bankruptcy because they didn't have the right long-term debt mix and the right amount of equity. Uh, secondly, I, I would say the biggest thing is a, a lot of CEOs tend to not have um, a good mix of people working with them in terms of an executive team. Um, and, and it's it's obvious for some because the CEOs think that they need to hire somebody full-time permanent to do their marketing and sales and their strategy and their their CFO work. Uh, and, and part of what we do is we can provide just about all C-suite positions just for the time that they need them. So for example, let's say they need a chief human capital strategy officer rather than trying to hire somebody full-time permanent, which doesn't make sense. You know, they may use one of our executives for two or three days a week or, you know, up to full time. And that way they can get the expertise that they need, but not have to, you know, spend a fortune for it. Um, probably the next major problem is a lack of governance and planning and strategy. Um, it sometimes comes at the last minute when they're forced to do it rather than having a clear strategy to begin with. Well, it sounds very familiar. A lot of the things that uh, we tell our clients when they're looking to exit their companies, um, you know, things they need to have in place. So obviously a lot of synergies between what you do to help grow a business, but, you know, par draw a parallel to what you do and what we advise our, com our, our clients on and they're looking to exit their company. And that's a natural transition, as, as I like to say, um, into, you know, since we're in the M&A space, you guys have a really cool concept um, as we're looking at, you know, how can we help get the highest value for our clients um, when we're looking to exit their companies? And so talk to us about Exec HQ Multiple. Um, it's a really cool idea program and and really, I think has been a great way to help business owners really increase the value of their companies. Yeah, it, it, as your audience probably knows, the ultimate value that they're gonna get for the company when they sell it, it's usually a factor of EBITDA, which is basically your earnings before depreciation and amortization and interest and things like that. But if you take EBITDA times, let's say, uh, a multiplier, let's say you have a $5 million company, and let's say the average uh, multiple is four. So 5 million times four would mean you essentially have a $20 million company. But that four multiple, in any particular industry is a range. It could be for, you know, two for very poor companies with the same EBITDA. And it could be 10 or 12 or higher, depending on, you know, if it's a synergistic buyer and kind of the depth of the company. Uh, 
So exec HQ multiple, we look at the multiple side of the equation. Um, usually you're going to have, there's probably a hundred factors we look at in improving the multiple. There are obvious ones like, you know, uh, proper cybersecurity and uh, strategy and planning and uh, a good rounded executive team. Um, and let me just give you an example, which you're very familiar with. Let's say a company has one CEO and then just a lot of middle-level managers around them, you know, sell the company and he wants to exit at the sale. The buyers are not going to pay as much for the company because they would have to build basically the C-suite team when that individual exits. But if a, if a company does a good job in putting in, uh, you know, kind of a C-suite level uh, person in charge of technology and sales and marketing, uh, each of those positions. And that, that's why, you know, again, you don't want to hire full-time permanent people for all those positions, depending on the size of your company. But if you can bring in the right people so that the CEO isn't wearing, you know, 10 or 11 hats, mm -hmm. then the exit is much smoother and it yeah, yields a better result um, on the price wise. Uh, the, the other part of it is when, when a company is uh, kind of stretched thin and they are just you know, running on all cylinders and they don't have any capacity. Um, it's uh, sometimes uh, a, a factor that will result in a, a lower value. Or if there's a, a lot of kind of junk in the, um, the balance sheet and income statement, personal expenses that are being run through. So we, we, we come in and assess these hundred different factors that either would reduce the value, uh, reduce the multiple. And then we also look at opportunities of increasing the multiple uh, for addressing kind of external areas. For example, if there are two or three good target companies who would love to acquire a company if we can position the existing company so it's uh, much more attractive to the most valuable acquirers, then you get that higher multiple because you're uh, ho hopefully being a, a more attractive target to to those uh, target acquisition companies. And so that comes, you know, to uh, another question that. Um, you guys have something not only helping people get prepared for an exit, um, you have multiple levels of what that might look like. An exit, a premium exit, and a next level exit. Um, mind explaining what the differences uh, are in each of those different levels? Uh, yes. Uh, let, let's say a, a company comes to us and... They may even have an offer in hand and says, you know, we want help to get the best value. But they 
for whatever reason, want to exit in six or nine months, it, it there's not enough time period there to increase that overall multiple. So we can do some things, maybe get them a little better than uh, they expected, but that would be kind of a standard exit. And then going to the other end of the spectrum, let's say a company comes to us and says, you know, we've got a five-year or a three-year time horizon. And, you know, we know of several things we need to do. And let's say we then uh, go in, do our assessment and evaluate these hundred different factors. Then what we do is prioritize the factors, which one you'll get the biggest bang for the buck on over the next five years. And then we work closely with the M&A advisor who brought them to us, or if they don't have an M&A advisors, we'll introduce one or two advisors to them so that over that three or four year process, you've got a team, not only of our people, the M&A advisor, uh, the CEO, and they may bring in a couple other people. Uh, and we work almost as an advisory board meeting quarterly or monthly over that period of time so that when the three or five years is is up, uh, they're exiting at that very, very high premium multiple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see you basically in your in your materials um, that I have here, you're, repos- you're basically at that, that next level, you're repositioning the company, um, you know, to get that next level multiple as opposed to just doing some cleanup or some strategy work, right? Right. Yeah, we, we've found that, that most M&A advisors, they can give great advice to their clients. But sometimes it, and you, Nick, you've probably seen this a lot of times. You may have a company come to you, and, and you know they want fifty million for the company, but in reality, they may only be worth thirty million. So instead of telling them no, if you can introduce them to Exec HQ, and then we can work with them for two or three years to get them to the multiple that they desire. It's it's good for the M and A firm because they're not losing that potential client out of their pipeline. It's also good for the company because they're not being told no, you know, we can't help you. But they're uh, we're putting together a strategic plan and we're implementing the plan so they can be successful. Um, the other piece to it is, you know, their CPA or their M and A advisor or even their attorney might give them a lot of advice, but neither of those um, advisors can roll up their sleeves, kind of you know, help run the company and help execute on those ideas and take them to where they need to be. Uh, so we, you know, we can literally go in with our chief sales officers and chief marketing officers and operations people and fix and improve or optimize many of the areas within the company that they know they need to have fixed, but don't have the resources to fix on their own. 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're spot on as M&A advisors. Um, you know, we do what we do really well. And I think as a as an industry in general, I know there's some out there that you know do some consulting work and whatnot, but you know, we're best suited to serve our clients in the exit of their company or the growth through acquisition, whatever the case may be. Um, we do have good advice, um, but like you said, we're we're typically not the people doing the work. And if you can align yourself with something, you know, if you, some someone who does the work and can bring you back that client in a way better spot, you know, that's a win-win situation, win-win-win, win for right. you, win for the client, win for us as the firm. And, you know, they're going to be happy when they get over their asking price, um, you know, for or what they wanted to get out of the company, over expectations and when they're ready to exit. You know, I think that uh, that's a great way to look at it. And, you know, instead of saying, oh, you and I have talked about this many times in the past that, you know, you look at our group and we, we did some research on this and we asked a question in a recent survey, like, you know, how many opportunities do you walk away from? And the number was a lot higher than I thought. I, you know, it's well over 50%. And so instead of, you know, just, and, and our group does, you know, not, it's not always just a no kind of go on, you know, good luck kind of thing. You know, they'll refer them to uh, maybe it's a person who can better handle the job because it's an ESOP or a Main Street deal or an industry right. thing or whatever. Yeah. However, the ones that we're saying no to because they're just not ready to sell, let's transition them over to someone who can get them ready and then bring them back to us in a much better state, right? And so you guys yeah. do that work. Typically, what does, um, you know, when they go through that process, two-part question, one, on average, I know you're going to say it depends, but on average, how long are you working with companies typically? And then two, what will they look like? Like, in a best-case scenario, you send them back to us, like, what do they look like when they come back to us looking to sell? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, almost all of our contracts are extremely short-term and they're cancelable at any time. So when when we go into a client, we are there to obviously achieve the initial objective. But usually what happens is we develop trust with them and as we begin to save them more money, sometimes or many times more money than what they're paying us, they kind of look around and say, well, what about this? Can you help us with this? So, you know, the good thing with our team, we've got a global team and there's about 60 in our core team. And then we've got several, uh, several others uh, that are on kind of a backup team. But you know, if, let's say they, they've kind of knocked out their initial uh, need uh, and we start to talk to them about a sales strategy or a marketing strategy or a technology strategy, uh, then they kind of hit their second and third and fourth and fifth priorities. So the long of it is that, you know, sometimes we may be, be with a firm uh, who is not exiting for five or six years, uh, just becoming part of their C-suite team on a fractional basis. But in an exit situation, you know, we're, we're generally there, um, you know, until the exit. And then whoever the buyer is, 
they may decide which one of our fractional executives they want to kind of bring over once the acquisition is complete, or if they don't need any on our team, then then we'll stop at that point. Uh, but does that help answer your question? Yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you know, kind of on the on the inverse of of the last question, you know, what are some red flags that you know when you're an M and A advisor, you're talking to a company. And I think, you know, we, you know, I think generally speaking, you know, the big ones, the, you know, the, you know, the customer concentration, the exec team in place, you know, processes, good finance, like any common red flags that, you know, you can tell, you know, our, our listeners that, hey, look out for these things, because if you don't address these before you go to market, they might be an issue once you get into the process, anything that they can really look right. for yeah good question the we we have a number of executives on our team who are at the kind of the coaching level in regard to uh culture and human capital uh, strategy and customer satisfaction and uh also on the technology side, you know, cybersecurity and data analytics. And when when you look at those five or six areas, if if a company has an extremely poor or a toxic culture, it's a very difficult thing to turn around. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it may take us working with the board or the CEO multiple years. Um, usually cybersecurity issues can be corrected, you know, within a month or two, if they're highly exposed, um, you know, any, any breach these days could take the company under literally within a few days. Uh, if they're not adequately protected and adequately insured. And, and then from the customer satisfaction point, let, let's say a customer or a, a client of ours who has all happy customers, uh, that company is going to be extremely more uh, valuable than a company who has customers who are disenfranchised and they're griping and they're constantly leaving and you've got a turnover of customers that you've got to constantly replenish. So, um, so when you start to focus in on those variable areas, uh, you can, uh, you know, address those needs very quickly and over a period of time, take it from being a kind of an okay company to really a great, uh, superior company in all those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, and, and then when should, at what point? in the process, in the conversation should, let's say, you know, a, a business owner comes to one of our groups and says, hey, we want you to sell our business. You know, we're, you know, we're going through the kind of the exploratory phase of figuring out where the financials are, all that sort of stuff. Like, at what point should they bring in someone like you or your advisors into the equation to either help identify these, these issues and pass them on to you or 
you know, just bring you in and say, hey, you guys really should work with a team at, at Exec HQ to increase the value of your company now. And a couple of years, ago, we'll be ready to sell your company. Like, when should they bring you yeah. guys in? Yeah, and, and probably what you're expecting the answer to be is as soon as possible. But let me <laughs> let me add some uh, background to that. So when when we start working with a firm, we usually do a financial assessment and a cost saving study uh, to kind of a an extreme example. We have a client out in Los Angeles who's looking to exit. And literally, literally within the first four hours of us being engaged with them, we came up with $400,000 worth of cost savings that was very easily attainable. And, and that's an outlier. But what usually happens is as we begin working, we first look to uh, low-hanging fruit where we can either improve the profits of the company or reduce the expenses of the company. And the, the good thing is if we can save them more money uh, than they're gonna pay, pay us in fees, then it, we're not uh, you know, really a cost to them. We're almost kind of like a profit center in a sense. Mm -hmm. the, the other piece to it is though, it, let, let's say we come in three years before an exit, we can work uh, methodically and, you know, charge, you know, fairly reasonable billings over a longer period of time. And then we've got that length of time to make substantial, substantial changes, positive changes to the organization. But if somebody comes in and says, hey, I wanna exit, you know, in nine months, uh, we've, in many cases, a lot of the opportunities to improve the value of the company are not achievable because the time frame is too too slow. Mm -hmm. And and if we rush to try to achieve them, it's probably going to be more expensive than it would have been, you know, doing it over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Um, timing is always is always important for sure. So if um, if someone wanted to talk to you, work with you guys, um, send some potential clients over to you, um, how does how does one get a get a hold of you to work with your team? Yeah, the the best way, um, and feel free to call my cell phone. It's six zero two three six nine two one zero eight. Or if you go to our website, uh, there's a, you know a contact me form there that you can fill out, and we will get back to you really quick. Uh, but whether you go to our website or call me, or I can give you my email address as well. You know we we treat every inquiry as if it's uh, a great urgency, uh, and many times it ends up. Uh, you know, there are some things that that uh, really need to be addressed very quickly. Uh, but my email address is jim.hoget, which is H-O-G-G, -G, and then an A and two T's like Tom at exechq.com. Awesome. Well, Jim, I, I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, a lot of great work that you guys do that can really help our clients. 
um, not only exit, but exit at a premium multiple. And I think we can all benefit from from your work as well and, and share clients together and team up to do what's best for our clients, which is ultimately right. what we both want to do, right? Um, That's right. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I appreciate it. I know Jim appreciates it. Um, help us uh, to uh, share, like, and comment on this video. It'll it'll help uh, more people get aware of Jim and Exec HQ and their services. Um, go to cornerstoneia.com slash podcast. View all our episodes there. And uh, make sure to check out uh, all those. And, and if we can help out in any way, um, definitely reach out uh, to me uh, on a forum as well on our website, cornerstoneia.com. Um, or like, comment, uh, and share our, on our videos, and we can connect that way as well. So appreciate you, Jim, today. Have a great yeah, thanks, day. Nick. I'm looking forward to to continue to work yeah. with you guys.